Well, there's this minister, and he parks in a no-parking zone in a large city, and, and he's short of time, and there's no spots at a meter, and so he leaves a note on the windshield. And the note just said, I circled the block 10 times. If I don't park here, I'm going to miss my appointment. And then in big letters, forgive us our trespasses. Well, he comes back, and he's got a parking ticket. And there's a big note that the policeman wrote. He said, I've circled the block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. And then in big letters, lead us not into temptation. It's a tough topic, forgiveness, isn't it? It's one of those that causes pain and stress and destroys relationships. And and yet it's a topic that we all have to deal with daily. And, and what I want us to do is to continue through in this sermon series that we're doing. It's called Short Stories, The Parables of Jesus. And, and so what is a parable? And why does Jesus talk like this? Well, I think he knew we needed for him to simplify some of these things, to use common, simple elements that we can experience every day to tell us these really valuable moral lessons And so a parable is a short, simple story, and it teaches a religious or a moral lesson. Pastor Mark was in here last week, and he talked about the parable, the parable about managing wisely. And if you missed it, go to royred.org, pull it up and watch it this week. If you want to know what that story's all about, you can read it in Matthew 25. But today, we're going to take a look at forgiveness. All right, I see you. I see your eyes rolling. I see you squirming in your seat. This is a tough topic. Now, I've been blessed to be around here for 30 years, and I spent a lot of time in my office talking to people about hurts, habits, and hangups. And yet, I'll bet half of those really come back to forgiveness. Can God really forgive me for what I did? Can I forgive myself for what I did? Can I forgive so-and-so for what they did? And sometimes it just seems unfair to forgive someone. And I imagine there's some of you that have turned the switch off right now, and you're thinking, I don't care what Pastor Dave says, I will never forgive so-and-so. Well, I hope God will soften your heart as we look at his word here today. Now, fact number one is the fact that Jesus freely forgives you. I wish I could point at every single one of you to realize it's for you. It's personal. He has forgiven you, not just for some. No sins too big. He forgives you. So what's that all about? Why do I say that? Well, there's a verse in 1 John 1.8. It says, if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in us. This is the foundation for our message today. You got to own the fact that you sin. We all sin. There's nothing you can do to stop sinning and there's nothing you can fix this. We're all doomed to this eternity away from God, uh, away from anything good in a very, very warm environment. But God would never leave us there. The very next verse, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive your sins and he will purify you from all unrighteousness. We're going to be coming forward in a while and reaffirming our baptism. In baptism, God says, I claim you. You're an heir to my kingdom. You're a child of God. And I love the way Peter addresses it when he tells the people in the early church, repent and be baptized, and he tells them why. For the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A gift that's beyond our belief, nothing we did to earn it, 
It's a free gift from God. And, and I got to tell you, when I think of forgiveness, I can only think of Jesus hanging on the cross. I mean, think about it. Spit upon, beaten, thorns uh, put on his head, uh, nailed to a cross. He did nothing wrong. He didn't deserve it. And, and I'm ashamed to say this, but in my human nature, I wouldn't have forgiven them. I'd have, why you turn them into little slimy little worms is what I would have done if I had the power. I would be unforgiving. Now, that's not the right attitude because we see what Jesus did. He simply said, Father, forgive them. Imagine that verse. Forgive those people that just put nails in my hand. They don't know what they're doing. Now, fact number two is that then now God calls you to forgive others just as you have been forgiven. Uh, this is pretty powerful. We, we sin, God forgives us, and then he tells you, turn it around now and go forgive others. Ephesians 4 is a great verse to live by. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Then here it is, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? Just as Christ God forgave you. You know, our last sermon series was cultivate. We're supposed to cultivate our character so that we're more like Christ. And, and so because God forgave us, we cultivate that so that we can be forgiving to others. Now, we're doing parables here. So I want us to kind of look and see what did this parable have to do with forgiveness? And Pastor Mark read it earlier. We call it the parable of the unmerciful or unforgiving servant. But I love the way it starts out. It starts out with Peter asking a question that I guarantee all of you have thought at least in your life. How many times do I have to forgive somebody who hurts me, I say I forgive them, and they do it again and again and again. And so in Matthew 21, Peter comes to Jesus. He says, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now, that would have been a good question, but then he goes, up to seven times? Now, you probably don't know this part, but in the rabbinic teaching, you're only told to forgive somebody three times. They sin, you forgive them. They sin a second time, you forgive them. Third time, you forgive them. The fourth time, tough luck, no forgiveness. And I really think it was, was Peter's pride. I think, well, I'll just double it and add one to it, and then I'll impress Jesus because I said seven times. Well, I got to tell you, Jesus came right back seven times, that's all. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. That sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? Until you stop and think, how many times have you committed your signature sin? That one that you don't want people to know, but you do it over and over. I'll bet it's more than seven times. But now we get into the, the meat of this parable. And Jesus tells this parable about an unmerciful, an unforgiving servant. And then what's the master's reaction to that? Now, the parable tells us that the servant owed 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but if you look and discover, it's $3 million back then. It's like a king's ransom. He could never, ever, ever pay it. But what does he do? He falls at the feet, uh, at the knees before him, and he says, be patient with me. And he begs him, I'll pay back everything. Now, he knows he can't pay it back, but he's seeking mercy. And this parable goes really well when it says here, the servant's master took pity, canceled the debt, and let him go. Picture this, the master pays the debt of the servant that he owes him. 
And this guy has all new life now. Doesn't, not in bondage, doesn't have that anymore. And the question for you is, how would you respond if you were that guy? You can never pay this debt back, and the master completely wipes it out. Well, our guy in verse 28, when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. He grabbed them. He began to choke them. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Wow. By the way, that's about $7 in that economy as well. So a couple million, $7. But you know uh, what happens is he just comes and begs just like the first guy. Be patient with me. I'll pay you back. It all ends well, right? I mean, the guy was forgiven, so he forgives this other guy, and they're all happy, and no, not at all. What a twist in this story. It's, a, it's incredible. And so we read in verse 30, he refused. He went off, had the man thrown into prison till he could pay his debt. Not good. This parable now moves forward, and and I want us to get towards the end because it's really the point of all this. But in this, it says the master called that servant in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, threw him over, handed him to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. But see, Jesus is telling a parable. He's flipping this around into a spiritual lesson, which happens in the last verse, verse 35. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And now we're all squirming again. What a powerful challenge we're given. But see, in God's economy, our forgiveness always leads to us forgiving other people. Now, there's a real danger in reading this parable because we all sit there and go, yeah, that guy got what he deserved. He should have been forgiving of the second guy and blah, blah, blah. I would never be like him. Not so fast. Templeton Foundation done a really good research project on forgiveness. They wanted to know the attitudes of Americans in forgiveness. Listen to this. The study found that 75% of Americans were very confident that God had forgiven them. Now, surprising because half those people were not Christians, but think about that fact for a minute. Three quarters said, God's an all-time great guy. He will forgive me. But the survey goes on. And the people were asked about themselves. Only half of them said that they were sure that they would ever forgive somebody that hurt them. Wow, that's kind of amazing. They said, God, you forgive well, but not so much me. The heart and soul of this parable, I think, is explained well by Paul David Tripp. He's an author of a devotional that many of us read around here. And he says the reason for telling the parable was to reveal our hearts. So think about this. He says, you, all of us, are the unmerciful servant. And now he explains why. We celebrate God's mercy, but we yell at other people when they mess up. We sing amazing grace, but we punish our spouses with silence when they offend us. We praise God for his love, but we forsake that love for when people do something against us. We're thankful we're forgiven, but we say, yeah, they deserve it when somebody else isn't. We bask in God's grace, but we throw the law at everybody. And we think that we're not so good at mercy because we think we're better than everybody else, and we deserve it more. So why is it? 
why do we struggle with forgiveness? One of my favorite little stories to tell is a Spanish story. A father and his son, they have a big fight, and the son runs away, and the father's searching for him to no avail. Three months he's searching for him. Finally, he's going to give up. He puts an ad in the newspaper in Madrid, and it simply says, Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. So Saturday rolls around. 800 men named Paco showed up, all looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. First of all, I think we are Paco. I think we have guilt. I think we want forgiveness and we're not quite sure how to seek it out. But you know what the good news is? Just as Paco's dad put an ad in the newspaper offering forgiveness, God wrote you a letter. It's called the Bible. And he told you, come to me for mercy. Come to me for forgiveness. Come to me and I will love you in spite of what you've done. And then secondly, he tells us to now go out and to heal relationships we have with other people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, the, the, the foundation is to be a Christ-centered, peace-filled life that is centered on offering and giving and receiving forgiveness. Now, you might say, hey, that's not fair. Come on, Pastor Dave, that's not fair. Why should I forgive other people? It's a fair question, right? Well, I got a couple answers for that. The first one is because God has forgiven you. I started the message with this. He didn't pay 10,000 talents for you. He paid the wages of your sin that you could never, ever, ever pay. Fantastic verse in Colossians 3. It says, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never, no asterisk, never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. People need to be forgiven. And did you notice when God forgives you, he doesn't make you beg, he doesn't make you squirm, he doesn't make you earn it, he doesn't make you wait for it, free and instantaneous. That's what we're supposed to do. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. And number two, we forgive because resentment just doesn't work. We know this, and yet why do we keep doing it? It feels really good at first, and then it starts to eat away at us. It does. It's incredible. Job 18, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. So think about this. Resentment, first of all, is unreasonable. You're only hurting yourself. That person's moved on. They don't even know they hurt you. So it's unreasonable. Number two, it's unhelpful. It's not going to change the past. It's not going to change that other person. And then number three, it's unhealthy, kind of like a cancer. It's going to eat you from the inside out. Excuse me. So we forgive because we've been forgiven by God. Resentment doesn't work. And number three, because you're going to need forgiveness in the future. You know what? You're going to keep sinning and you're going to need forgiveness. I wonder how many of you, when we say the Lord's Prayer, you're belting it out, you know the words, everybody's saying it, and then you get real quiet. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who you get really quiet then. Why does it make us squirm? So this is a great verse. It tells us that when we're praying, first forgive anyone that you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. 
try as we may, you're going, to forget, you're going to sin more and need forgiveness and so do other people. But listen to this. Make sure you hear this loud and clear. Forgiveness does not mean that that hurt did not happen. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean the pain wasn't real. It doesn't mean it's okay, do it to me again. It simply means I am releasing this pain to God. He'll take care of the situation, and now you can move forward in a healthier way. I always like the four-year-old. I just think it's great. He's saying the Lord's Prayer, and he says, forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. It's funny, but it's true, right? There's a lot of junk and garbage that happens all around us. But let me ask you a different question. Have you ever gotten really mad at somebody? I mean, you'll never forgive them. They're awful. They're terrible. You're gossiping, telling everybody how wrong they were. And then you realize, whoops, uh, I was wrong. I didn't have the facts right. There's this old lady. She goes shopping. She comes out. She's got her purse and her bags, and she's coming to her car. And she notices four guys are getting into her car. So she drops the bags, opens her purse, and she's got a handgun for her protection. She runs in front of the car, and she's shaking, but she goes, get out of my car. I'll shoot you. I got a gun. I know how to use it. Well, all four doors open, and these guys start running, and and she's trembling and everything, but she kind of gets her composure. She puts the gun back in her purse, picks up the bags, puts them in the back seat, and she's going to the police station to report this. There's a problem, though. The key won't fit in the ignition. Her car's four down on the lot here. She's in the wrong car. So she loads the groceries into her car. She drives to the police station to confess what she did. And that sergeant there is roaring on the floor laughing as he points to the end of the counter where these four guys are just trembling down there. They've just reported that she got, they got carjacked by a crazy old white woman. <laughs> Well, no charges were filed, but, uh, but you know, things aren't always as they appear. And we got to watch we don't jump to conclusions. Now, you won't pull a gun on somebody, but you might say mean words. You might hurt them. You might be holding forgiveness from them. You got to see the situation from their eyes as well. Ask them about it. Approach them about it. But the truth is, sometimes we do that, and they were wrong, and they hurt us. And yet we hang on to this, and it becomes this cancer within our bodies, and they've moved on already. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to show of hands, but I'll bet you there would be a lot of hands. How many of you have held this grudge of unforgiveness against some particular person for five years, for 10 years? You've been in my office 20 years. You're holding on to this like it's somehow going to bring something to somebody. I wonder how many of you struggle with that. How many of you struggle with feeling guilt over something you've done to hurt somebody else? Or how many of you can't forgive yourself for those things? So let's see what we can learn. Well, I think we're going to go to the opposite of what we're going to learn by what we can learn that we're not. So let's look at this. What are four things that forgiveness is not? Okay, And this is important because you're not going to forgive if you don't realize what it isn't. Number one, forgiveness is not conditional. You can't say, I forgive you, and then put the word but after it. Can't be forgive you, but you owe me, or you'll get, I'll get even later or something. Forgiveness is, needs to be unconditional. Number two, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It happened. It hurt. It caused harm. Don't act like it didn't happen. 
Give it to God and ask him to help you work through the pain. Number three, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. Don't go back into a harmful situation. Uh, Protect yourself. Maybe the relationship can get healed. That's the goal, but maybe it can't. Pray that that offender will truly have repentance, that they, they truly will make restitution if it's something that has a, 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 a financial situation associated with it. Pray that they'll rebuild the trust. But I got to tell you, that's not your job. None of that is your job. Your job is to forgive, to offer forgiveness, and then to pray that God would work in their hearts. And number four, forgiveness does not mean forgetting what happened. I know you hear forgive and forget. And when we sin and we ask God, he does that, right? He forgives our sins. He separates us as far. He has intentional amnesia when we confess our sins to him. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. Yes, I get it. But we're human beings. And we got these computers for a brain that want to store those bad things just in case we need to pull them out later. Got to move past the past and into the present asking God to help us move forward without stepping backwards as we think about those things that happen. Now, in a story, we see that, that they got on their knees and they begged forgiveness. So what do you do when you have hurt someone else? Well, you probably don't get on your knees and beg forgiveness, but I think the first thing you really need to do is to pray about it. Lord, here's what happened. You know, I hurt this person I don't know what to do next. Give me the right heart, the right situations. And then ask yourself, how would I want them to come to me if this situation were flipped around? But you got to do it at the right time. Please ask these eight, for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, including seeking forgiveness, though a person may be weighed down by misery. You don't do it in a crowd. You don't do it when you're busy. You choose the right time for them and the right time and setting for you. And you got to do it with the right attitude. Ephesians 4 says, instead, speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body, the church. In other words, be humble, uh, seek forgiveness. And of course, do it in the appropriate way. Proverbs 12 says, there's one who has rash words like sword thrusts. Not a good thing, right? But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So be careful what you say, how you say it, where you say it, when you say it, and what is your motive behind it. Because God forgave you, and now he tells you to offer forgiveness to those that have hurt you and seek forgiveness from those that you have hurt. And remember, that's your job. The rest is God's. It's God's job working to soften hearts and make reconciliation perhaps possible. So some action steps as you walk out of here. I really want you to wrestle with this question, at least for a half hour, wrestle with this question. Why is it so hard for me to forgive people when they hurt me? Really ask yourself and and wrestle with that answer. Number two, how many times should you forgive someone? Once? Seven? Seventy-seven? Unlimited? Work through that. Number three, who is someone that you need to offer forgiveness? I'm assuming you all got a face right now. As I've been talking, you're saying, yeah, but not that guy, not not that lady. Ask yourself who that is and how you're going to do it. And then who have you hurt? 
and you really need to seek forgiveness. And then what's that first step? What was it? To pray about it and find the right time and place. My offer to you is my office is open to every single one of you. I know we all wrestle with this. Perhaps I can help you work through it. Lord, thank you. My goodness, unconditional love and forgiveness you give to each of us here. We have your mercy. We don't get what we deserve. We have your grace. We get this gift we don't deserve. Lord, help us to forgive other people when they hurt us, just as you forgave us. Help us to forgive ourselves from things we've done that we've let ourselves down and you down. And then help us to seek forgiveness from people that we have hurt. We pray it all in your name, Lord. Amen.